Well, this morning we're going to talk about a topic that is really pretty timely when you think about what's going on in our world. Um, And truthfully, we live in difficult days. Uh, We live in a time where uh, difficult things are going on. And it seems like with uh, the economy and all that's happened just recently uh, in the last year, um, we're hearing more and more uh, about difficulties. Uh, I talk to more and more men who are struggling with their, uh, their jobs, either the loss of their jobs, uh, downturn in the economy, they're not selling as much as they used to. Things are, things are tough out there right now. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the new year. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? We don't know. Uh, but we do know we live in difficult days. On top of that, we as men uh, struggle every single day with uh, the world. The world bom- bombards us with uh, temptations and testings and trials. The, the flesh. We battle the flesh every day as men. And as we talk about this series and this study on what does it mean to be a man, it, we have to admit to the fact that every day is a battle. There's something going on in our lives. And, and these are times where if we needed endurance ever, it's right now. The ability to endure. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But as an example of, of what, what I'm talking about, on your uh, tables there's a little stack of, of slip, slips of uh, paper. And I want you to grab those, hand, hand them out to the guys at the table. Uh, there may not be enough for every guy, but... Uh, Here's what I want us to do. These are actual prayer requests from the last few Sundays at our church. Many of them are probably turned in by you guys. Um, These are ones that get put into the worship folder and guys turn in and then they're compiled and we as a leadership pray over these every week. These are actual prayer requests and we've tried to just narrow down to the ones that either come from a guy or involve a guy. Because sometimes we, we blow through life and we're oblivious to what's going on around us. And in this fellowship, that's just a, a fraction of the prayer requests. And we've changed the names on those uh, uh, because uh, some of them were not intended to be dispersed to the entire congregation. But um, here's what I'd like you to do. When you leave here today, if you've got one of those, those sheets of paper, take it with you. And I want you to lift those up this week. Um, this congregation... This body of believers is in need of endurance. Uh, This fellowship is going to need endurance. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, If we we took the time and if I gave you the opportunity and if we put microphones out there, I guarantee most of you would have something going on in your life where you really feel hammered. You are stressed out. You're maxed out. You've... uh, been kicked out of your organization, you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, you don't know what you're going to do next, you've got struggles with your kids, you've got struggles with your wife, maybe your wife's left you, you've got issues going on, you've, and you need endurance. You need endurance. You know, we've, we've talked about a lot of things over the, the last few weeks, and what we've been talking about is that we've been called to be imitators of Jesus Christ. He is the God-man. He is the perfect man. He is the one man who lived his life in perfection as it was meant to be. And he is our model. He's the one we should follow. We've talked about that we need to be men of excellence, men of passion, men of fearlessness, men who are respecters of women, men who are selfless, men who are men of the spirit, men of prayer. And you look at that list, and I don't know about you, but I, I sit there and go, whew. That's a, tough, that's a tough call. 
That's a, that's a long list of things that many of which I struggle with. And if you're like me, you, you, you get to points of time where you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to go, man, this is, this is too hard. This is too much. I, 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 all I need is one more setback, and it could put me over the edge. It could just really make it too tough. And, and there, are, there are men sitting in this room right now who are right there. They, they've had one setback after another, one difficulty after another, and they're really ready to throw in the towel. Does that mean they're going to walk away from their faith? No. But they're just tired. And you get tired, and I get tired, and you, you, you make positive steps, and you try to do the right thing, and, and you just get tired, and you just, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. You know, this idea of being a biblical man is not easy. It's not for the weak. It's not for the wishy-washy. It's not for the, the mamby-pamby guy out there. This is tough stuff. It, it, it requires a lot from you and I. And you know what? The Bible, as far as I can tell, never said it would be easy. Uh, it, it doesn't tell me that, man, you accept Jesus Christ and your life's just all a piece of cake. It's just all going to be blessing after blessing after blessing. No difficulty. I have found it to be just the opposite. Uh, have I found blessing? Yes. Have I found def- difficulties? Yes. And so did Jesus. So did Jesus. When he walked this earth, Jesus discovered the difficulty of living as a man on this earth in a human body that it was not going to be easy. Too often I look at the life of Jesus and I just think, you know, short of his crucifixion, that was pretty tough. But the rest of the time, you know, how hard could it have been? He was God. It was extremely hard. It was extremely difficult. And again, we cannot eliminate and downplay his manhood because we lose sight of the fact that he modeled for us how it was meant to be. So it was difficult for him. Again, nobody said it was easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Look at this passage. For what credit is there if when you sin, you and me, which we do, and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God, for you have been called for this purpose. You ever thought about that? That's the purpose you've been called for? To suffer and endure it patiently? Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. See, Jesus suffered, not just on the cross, but he suffered hunger, he suffered pain, he suffered, uh, I think, moments when he felt like everybody had left him, everybody had abandoned him. Which is why he spent so much time in prayer to the Father, because that's the one time when he could feel fellowship and feel the love of the Father. Because he knew his disciples were going to leave him. He knew most of the people who followed him were following him just for food and just for healing and would abandon him when times got tough. Jesus suffered. How about Hebrews 12? Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Anybody in here weary and losing heart? 
Jesus endured the cross and suffered what he suffered. Why? So that we might have hope, so that we might not grow weary and not lose heart. Because, man, if he could endure the cross for me, I can endure this, whatever it might be. Endurance. Why do we need it? Why do we need endurance? Number one, the Bible tells us over and over again about persecution. It promises persecution. You know, you meet guys and you talk to guys and I I have them come into my office and things are going bad and things aren't going great and it's work, it's relationships. And the first question in our mind is, why? Why me? Why now? Well, the Bible promises that we're going to have persecution. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone, in the Greek that means everyone, will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, we are promised a life of persecution. How many of you were told that when you signed up? You know, when when you walked the aisle or did whatever you did, how many were promised, hey, come on down, it's a life of persecution? You know, if we do that, we're not going to have a whole lot of converts. But that's what the Bible promises you and I. Secondly, the Bible characterizes the Christian life as a race to be run. You know this, you've read those passages, but we overlook them. It is a race to be run. We see it so many times. Paul uses this, this terminology. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The Christian life is about running. It's about endurance. It's about keeping on, keeping on, not quitting. So it's a race to be run. Again, Paul says in Hebrews, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, anything that entangles us, anything that makes us stumble, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life is a race. It's an endurance race, not a sprint. It's a marathon. And that means you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it's going to be painful, and there's going to be hills, and there's going to be distractions, and you're going to pull a hamstring, and you're going to, you're going to get a blister, and you're going to want to go, I'm done. I want to quit. But it's all about keeping on running. It's a race. Again, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, he was able to say. Don't you want to be able to say that at the end of your life, that I have finished the race? I ran well. I ran hard. I may not have been the fastest, but I also didn't quit. I kept on. I kept running. I kept plugging away. Well, third, it's referred to as a struggle or, or an athletic contest all throughout the scriptures. It's a struggle. It's hard. And, and, and again, if we had testimonies, you, you guys would say, yeah, it's a struggle. There are days I can't love my wife. There are days I want to just smack my kids, not hug them. There are days I want to walk up to my boss and I want to just, just quit or punch him. There are days it's really a struggle. Look at what it says in First uh, Thessalonians. As you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel amid much opposition. See, everywhere Paul went, it was opposition. It was opposition. Stonings, beatings, getting chased out of town. It was part of the package for him to live out the life he had been called to live. Is that just Paul? Well, Paul chose to do that. 
Paul's in ministry. So are you. So are you. You are in ministry. You're in opposition. The enemy hates you. This world hates you. Jesus himself told us that. And you are in the midst of much opposition, but do you have the boldness to keep speaking of your God in the midst of all this? How about this one to Timothy? For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Hey, it's great to be in great shape, but you know what? Your body's still going to decay and some, someday die. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Pursue godliness just like you would physical exercise and being in shape. Pursue godliness. How about this one? Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. When you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, fight the good fight. See, it's, it's, a, it's a contest. It's a, it's a race. It's all about endurance. It's about keeping on, keeping on. Hebrews 10.32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. You stood your ground. See, if you want to be a man, if I want to be a man, reality is suffering is going to come, trials are going to come, persecution is going to come, there are going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, my kids will not always obey me, there's going to be wrecks, there's going to be uh, setbacks, there's going to be financial difficulties, there's going to be sicknesses. How are we going to handle that? And I'm here to tell you guys that if you're a a husband, if you're a father, if you're in a relationship, you are the primary person who is supposed to endure. Your wife, your kids, your girlfriend, they need you to stand up and say, you know what, we're going to keep running. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're going to endure to the end. The Christian's life is also associated with work. We will work at so many things, guys. We will work at our golf game. We'll work at work. We'll work at all kinds of stuff, but we will not necessarily work at the Christian life. But it is all about work. Again, Paul, now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You still got to go out and witness. You still got to go out and do certain things. You got to labor at this. It is work. I have never woken up and just, you know, bounced out of bed and went, man, I just get in the word and it just flies off the pages and I'm taking copious notes and it's not, it's always difficult. It's always hard. There's always a hundred other things I would rather do, but am I going to endure? Am I going to keep on going? Am I going to keep laboring at what I've been called to do? Paul tells the Corinthians, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves Fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourselves fully, not half-heartedly, not weakly, but, but fully to the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Anytime you invest in the Word, the time you're investing right here, the time you invest going to church, spending time praying is never wasted. It's never wasted. It's, it's work, guys. Paul said, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. Now, we can say that about work. I've labored, I've toiled, I've gone without sleep. I got there early. I was the last one to leave. But how about spiritually can you say that? 
I've labored, I've toiled, I've gone without sleep, I've sought the Lord. As Jesus prayed throughout the night, as Jesus went up into the mountain to pray, as Jesus got alone with the Father, how many times have we done that and we've labored and we've, we've searched the Scriptures because we don't know what to do and rather than go to another man, have we gone into the Word and said, I'm just going to labor and I'm going to work at this until you tell me what I'm supposed to do. It's work. It's labor. Again, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. He's talking about physical work. He's talking about being a tent maker. He, he took care of himself. Paul worked in order that nobody would have to pay him a wage. So there's the physical aspect, doing our job, but there's also the spiritual aspect that we need to work on. Well, number five, the Christian's life is associated with testings or trials. Testings or trials. I would love if every trial would go away. I would love it if there was nothing for us to read on the table. If I could pray away everybody's problems and everybody's trials, if David Breedlove's little boy who's in the hospital having appendectomy surgery yesterday, emergency, I wish that never had happened. I wish I could go over there, lay hands on him, and he just gets, jumps out of the bed and never has to have surgery. I wish that we didn't have testings or trials, but they are promised and they're a part of life. Look at James. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are necessary for growth, but I want them to go away. I hate these, God. I hate trials. I hate difficulties. I hate tension in my home. I hate hearing about things going on in marriages. I hate it. But it's part of the process of us growing, learning to endure. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. We are going to suffer, guys, but are we going to endure? Are we going to endure? We're going to look at so many passages this morning, your head's going to spin. But this topic is all throughout the scriptures about enduring. First Peter, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But isn't that what we do? You know, we walk into work and we get the pink slip and it's like, how's this happening to me? Like for some reason we think we have this little protective shield around us as Christians that nothing evil ever happens to us. Nothing negative ever happens to us. You go to the doctor and he tells you you've got cancer. He, your wife's got cancer, as we read this morning. Mastectomies and, and brain cancer. and Well, that shouldn't happen to me. That's strange. No, that's life. That's life living in a fallen world. The difference is I have the capacity to endure it because I'm a believer, because I have the Holy Spirit within me, because I have a God who loves me very much. So don't be surprised. In your notes, you've got, um, I'm going to skip past this part. There's a, if you want to do a Greek word study, there's five Greek words there that you can, you can look at that are translated uh, perseverance, endurance, patience throughout the New Testament. And, and they're the typical words that, that are used when we talk about this topic. And you can, you can look at those on your own. If you want to do a little Greek word study, you can. And I want to go into more of the, the application now. What do, we, what do we do with this? What's the role of endurance in my life and in your life? 
And, and there's some different aspects of endurance, I think, that are probably going to be new to you. This is one that was new to me. It's the endurance of Christ. Now, we've, we've just said Christ is our example. He's our model. He's the, he's the God-man, the perfect man, the one we're supposed to follow. And there is an endurance that he had that I am to emulate, that I'm, I'm to follow. There's a passage over in 2 Thessalonians. It's another one of those passages I, I've probably read, but I just never saw it before, never got anything out of it. Listen to what it says. Now, may the Lord direct your hearts towards the love of God and the endurance of Christ. This is, a, in essence, a prayer of Paul to the Thessalonians. What is he saying? Now, may the Lord direct your hearts toward the love of God. In other words, think about how much God loves you. See, we don't think about that enough, that he loves you. He loves you. You're going through a trial. What's the first thing that comes into your mind when you're going through a trial? What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? Why has God mad at me? Surely I've done something that God's, you know, it's the other shoe finally dropped. God's up in heaven and he's angry. See, that's such a warped view of the love of God. So he says, direct your hearts towards the love of God. Think about the love of God. How much does he love you? Enough to send his son to die for you. He loved you that much. Then he says, and direct your hearts towards the endurance of Christ. What did Christ endure for you? First of all, he took on human flesh. Why in the world he would do that, I have no idea, other than the fact that he loved you enough that he took on human flesh. What a, what a, what a step down on the food chain to be the son of the living God sitting at the right hand of the Father and to come down here, take on human flesh. He endured that. He endured the pain, the suffering, the hunger, the sleepless nights, the sore back when he got up in the morning because he was sleeping on the hard ground. He endured all of that plus the crucifixion for you and I. If he could endure that, this little trial that I'm going through, this little testing that I'm going through, maybe I can handle it more than I think. Endurance is a Christ-like quality that God wants to develop in you and I, you and me. For you English majors out there. He wants to develop that quality of Christ-likeness in my life. How do you learn to endure? By having to go through something to teach you to endure. See, I don't want that part. I don't want to have to learn endurance that way, but there is no other way to learn endurance than through the difficulties, the trials of life. There's no other way. I wish there was. I wish I could stand up here and say, guys, it's, it's, it's just all blessings, one after the other. But I will never learn to endure like Christ did if I don't go through situations that require endurance. That's why I'm really kind of excited about this coming year. I'm really kind of excited about the bad economy. Why? Because it's going to force every single one of us to finally turn to the only one we should be turning to to begin with. Him. Him. See, Paul's praying for us to experience the kind of endurance that was demonstrated by Christ, that he would go through what he went through. Why? Why would he put himself through that? There was a reason, there was a cause, and we're going to talk about that. This is kind of a paraphrase. The Lord teach and enable you to love as God loves 
and to be patient as Christ is patient, to endure as he endured, to be willing to go through whatever you're going through. Why? Because there's something else out there. There's a purpose for your endurance. There's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for your trial. There's a purpose for everything. God is good. God is love. God has a purpose for for everything you go through. There's also the endurance of trials and tribulations. We've talked about they're here, they're around us, they're going to happen, you can't escape them. So there's an endurance. This is not um, a resignation. It's just, okay, Lord, I'll put up with it. I hate it, but I'm going to put up with it. See, that's not how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't hate what he went through. He didn't just grin and bear it. He, he willingly and joyfully endured what he went through. Why? Because he knew there was a reason for it. There was a purpose behind it. So it's not just a resignation. Endurance under affliction establishes the reality of Christ in your life. If you're able to endure that, you begin to see that I really do have Christ in my life. I really do have a relationship with him. My God really does love me. He saw me through one of the most difficult times in my life. And many of you could sit here and testify to that because he's done that for you. But what happens? Like the Israelites, we have short-term memory loss. We forget what he did. And we get into a trial and go, oh, gosh, how am I ever going to survive this? And we forget that he's done it ten times before. You, you somehow made it through that trial. How? Christ, the love of God. And you begin to see that he really is a part of my life. It also reveals the character of your walk with Christ. See, one of the things that I don't like about trials is they show me really what I'm like. And I don't like seeing it. Man, I'm impatient. Man, my faith is weak. Man, I can't. I'm, I'm such a wimp when it comes to some of this stuff. And it, it's like the Lord's shining a light on my life going, we got some things to work on. Let's work on it together. Let's change that in your life. It's a revealer of who I really am. There's the endurance of hope. This is the, if, you, if you listen to nothing else this morning, listen to this. The endurance of hope. It's our confident expectation in what God is doing. See, we're not the brightest bulbs in the box, regardless of what somebody might tell us or what we might think. And we don't understand everything, do we? We don't know why things happen, and so we get frustrated and we lose sight of the fact that he is God, he is sovereign, he is smart, he knows what he's doing, and maybe, maybe he let this into my life for a reason. We lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that I can trust this guy because he's God. And he's, you've heard me say this a hundred times, but he is not up in heaven, wringing his hands, shaking his head, going, oh my gosh, what happened? How did the economy, how, how did that, he just lost his job. I turned my back and look. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. But are you confident in that? Endurance is related to heavenly treasures, rewards, and our eternal future. In the scriptures, it's almost always related to something out there in the future. But see, I want it now. What did Jesus endure? He endured the cross. Why? For the glory that was set aside for him, that he was going to be right back where he was to begin with, at the right hand of the Father. See, we have a glory set aside for us. This is temporary. This is just a a passing through place for you and I. There is something better waiting me, so I will endure this because that's out there. 
That's my hope. That's my confidence. That's why Paul endured what he did. That's why Jesus endured what he did. It's an endurance inspired by hope. Hope. This is not all there is, guys. I can hope and trust in a God who loves me very much. How about this one? Endurance and patience of joy. You know, James talks about this. Rejoice in all things. Rejoice in your trials. Rejoice when bad things happen. What is this guy smoking? How how am I supposed to do that? This is so important. It's motivated by a hope in the person, purposes, promises, and principles of God. What What am I joyful about? The pain, the suffering that my wife has breast cancer, that my, my child is on drugs, that my wife walked out of me. Is that what I'm joyful about? No. I'm joyful in who God is, his purposes, which I don't understand, his promises, which he says he loves me, he'll never forsake me, he's got my best in, in, in mind at all times, and the principles of God, that God is not an evil God. God does not punish us the way we sometimes think. Well, he's just doing this to me because uh, I'm an evil person, because I looked at a bad picture on the Internet, and so now my wife walked out of me. No, no. That's not based on the character of God. So what's our joy? I ran across this definition of joy this last week, and it just I love it, and it's misspelled. It's a deep-seated confidence in the goodness of God despite circumstances. A deep-seated confidence in the goodness of God despite circumstances. See, joy is not this happy, happy, you know, everything's great, everything's wonderful, my life is great, every, I've got money in the bank, my wife loves me to death, my kids are all straight-A students, and we take the best vacations, and we live in a beautiful home, and I've got plenty of... That is not joy, Joy is a deep-seated confidence in the goodness of God regardless of what happens in your life. That I can trust him. I just got laid off. He loves me. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take care of me. I've got joy. Doesn't mean you're just happy and bubbly. And, you know, if, if you're happy and bubbly over that, then you probably need to see a psychiatrist. But you have a joy that you know what? God is in control. God is still in his throne. God loves me. God cares for me. It's a confidence in the goodness of God because God is still good. Regardless of what's happening, God is still good. And just keep telling yourself that God is still good. God is still good. My wife loved me. God is still good. My kids on drugs. God is still good. I just found out I got cancer. God is still good. My little boy's having an emergency appendectomy. God is still good. Whatever it is, all the things we just read, God is still good. God is still good. And that's where our joy should come from. Romans 5, 1 through 4. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. See, we've got to have endurance. We've got to understand that there's a purpose behind everything happening in my life. And you know what? The more we share with one another, the more we push into each other's lives, and I hear your story, what you're going through, I learn from that vicariously. That's why it's so important when you're going through something to share with somebody and talk to somebody and let them push into your life. Let you teach them what you're learning in this. 
And we all learn at the same time. And we all learn to endure. Man, if he can go through that, man, I can go through what I'm going through. It's endurance with joy and hope. Run with endurance the race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross. How did he endure the cross? The joy set out for him, the hope, the confidence in God as Father. That when he knew that I I hang on that cross and I'm going to be separated from the Father, I'm going to take on the sins of the world, but I have confidence in my God that he's going to restore me to a right place and elevate me back to my position where I was before. That was what helped him endure. That's what should help you endure. That I have a place reserved for me in heaven. I've got every, every promise he's made to me is going to be fulfilled because he's a faithful God. He's a good God. J. Hampton Keithley in his uh, commentary on this says, Our ability to endure and be patient is directly related to responding to our new life in Christ rather than on the transitory trials of life. It's responding to our new life in Christ. I am being transformed. I am being conformed. I am being changed day by day, glory by glory, into the image of Jesus Christ. And God uses trials to do that. God uses sufferings. We talked about this, but endurance and effort go hand in hand. Endurance is a quality that needs to be pursued with great effort. Great effort. It doesn't just happen. Again, like running a marathon, you've got to put effort into it. 1 Timothy 6, but you as a person dedicated to God, keep away from all that, all the evil, all the things of this world. Instead, pursue. That word means run swiftly in order to catch. Chase it till you catch it. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. Compete well for the faith and lay hold of that eternal life for which you were called and made your confession for in the presence of many witnesses. Pursue it. Chase it. Chase godliness. Chase endurance. Isn't it interesting that godliness, righteousness, faithfulness, love, and there's endurance. Right up there with the ones we value so much. We've got to endure. This is another quote that I love, but grace is opposed to earning, not effort. See, we, 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 oh, I don't have to do anything because it's all about grace. If you're trying to earn favor with God, you're going to fail, but it doesn't mean you don't have to work at it. It's not about earning anything. It's about putting the effort into it. We still have to work at this. We still have to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. Again, Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Anybody in here weary? Anybody in here losing heart? Let let me give you some Monday morning application. What are we going to do with this? What is life throwing at you today? What's going on in your life? I don't have a clue. I do, some of you, but many I don't. What is God throwing at you? What is the world throwing at you? In what ways are you being called to endure like never before? Again, it could be a relationship. It could be in your finances. It could be in your future. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, sales are down. It, it could be a lousy year. What are we going to do? I don't know if I could keep my kids in private school. I don't know if we can stay in this home. I don't know if we can keep driving these cars. What am I going to do? What are you being called to endure? And are you tempted to just throw on the towel? 
I'm sick of this stuff. I'm sick of Christianity. It doesn't work. I'm sick of going to Bible study. I'm sick of... It just doesn't work. It's not working for me. I'm just going to keep plowing ahead and take matters into my own hands. Endurance without joy is just resignation. If you have no hope, if you can't think about the future and that God loves you and you don't have any hope, all you're doing is just resigning yourself to just plow ahead and you will be miserable as a believer. And you're no different than anybody else out there in the world. And you will seek joy in other places. Do you have any joy? Without hope, endurance becomes unbearable and unexplainable. It doesn't even make any sense. If you take out hope, again, hope in who God is, the person of Christ, the promises of God, the principles of the Bible, if you take that out, the reality that there's a heaven up there and there's a place reserved for you, you you lose that and endurance makes no sense. Why should I even do this? Why should I keep going to church every day? Why should I keep being faithful to the scriptures? It makes no sense. Endurance requires effort and energy, guys. You're going to have to work at it. And we need to encourage one another to keep on keeping on. Come alongside each other. When you hear somebody hurting, come alongside them and say, man, I I can't relate right now, but I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. And then when I'm down, you come alongside me and keep me keeping on. We need that. Endurance also requires something that you and I as men really don't want to give, and that's dependence on God. Anybody in here like being dependent? Liking having somebody else do everything for you? No, we may like that. But making all your decisions for you, telling you what to do, telling you when to get up, when to go to bed, we don't like that. But if you're going to endure, you're going to have to depend on God. You're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to be in the Word. You're going to have to be on your knees. You're going to have to pray more. You're going to have to seek Him more and depend on Him and quit being so independent. And then finally, endurance is based on the goodness of God. Do not lose sight of that. It's based on the goodness of God. Well, guys, close your eyes, and we're going to have a a little prayer time here as we've been doing the last few weeks. This This is your time with God. Your time with God. And I just, I'm just going to put some things out there for you to think about, for you to pray about if you feel led to. Would you be willing to pray right now, Lord, give me strength to endure. Give me the strength to endure. Ask him to direct your heart towards the love of God and the endurance of Christ. That you would think about those two things more than anything else. The love of God and the example of endurance given through Jesus Christ. Ask him to give you the effort to endure as Christ endured.
But here's the caveat. Ask him to give you that effort with joy, patience, and hope, regardless of the circumstances. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as men who are bombarded daily by the things of this world. We are hammered relentlessly by the enemy to give up, give in, throw in the towel, quit. It's not worth it. It doesn't work. Take matters into your own hands. You know what's best. We're, we're just hammered by that. And then we've got the flesh trying to draw us away, trying to get us to go back to our old habits, our old ways. And yet we know in our heart that you've called us to something greater. And, and Lord, this, this life you've called us to live can be so difficult sometimes. And we just get tired. And there are men in this room right now, Lord, that I know are exhausted physically, spiritually, and mentally, and they don't know what to do. I pray that you would give them endurance. I pray that you would give me endurance, that I would not give up, that I would keep on keeping on, that I would keep my eyes focused on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of my faith, that I would look at him and I would say, man, he endured so much more than I've ever been called to endure. So I'm going to endure. If this is what you've called me to, I'm going to endure it because there's a purpose behind it. There's a God who loves me behind it. There's a hope behind it. There's a joy behind it. There's a future behind it. There's something far greater than the circumstances in which I find myself. Father, may we be men of endurance. May we have strength to stand in the midst of of all that's going on around us. May the, may the world look at us and see in this church, in this fellowship, in this body of men, a group of men who are strong, who endure, who don't escape the difficulties of life, but who endure the difficulties of life and almost embrace them because we know they are the very things that transform us into the image and the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. That's our prayer, Father. We want to be like Christ. And if endurance is part of that, then we, we just accept it, we embrace it, and now we just ask that you would give us the strength to do it. Bless these men, Father. Bless their thanksgiving. Give them wisdom, give them direction, give them guidance, and make them men who endure. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen.